and welcome to the Pinch of Magic podcast with me, Rebecca Anuwin. So today I want us to start a conversation around money, wealth, abundance, riches and all of that good stuff. And the reason I say start the conversation is because I could probably talk about this for hours and hours and hours. And I'm hoping that um, after today's podcast, you'll have some questions um, that maybe I can answer some more, give you some more detail on. So we are going to touch on, of course, adding some magic to your money. But I actually want to get to the root of a lot of money beliefs too. And I think this is so important because it's really essential that you have a healthy relationship with money. And I got to thinking about this this morning when I'm working with this incredibly talented artist on a project. And um, we met together today and I want eight sets of something. And she says, okay, I'll charge you this much. It's for the set of six, but you know, it'll be easy for me to do the other two. And I just said to her, no, can you charge me for eight? I'm happy to pay the extra. And as so many people do, she dismissed it. She's like, oh, no, no, it's fine. We'll we'll just charge for the six. And I just said to her, I can pay for the eight. (laughs) I would like to pay for the eight. And I see this in so many um, creatives, magical people, healers, intuitives, that kind of work more so in women than I've ever seen it in men, but perhaps that's work because I work more with women than I do men. So perhaps that's a you know an unfair judgment on my behalf. But it's really interesting to me how she was very quick to say, oh no, no, it's fine. And of course, I could have just received that and said, brilliant, thanks. But I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I was like, no, let's have a conversation. Because I spend a lot of time coaching and doing kinesiology, clearing those blocks around money. And I'd like to share with you today some of the things that I have learnt over over the years and decades, <laughs> giving away my age. And so one of the things, the first thing this lady said to me when I was talking to her, she said, oh, I know it's my money blocks, and then went to move the conversation on. And we do this in all areas of our life. And I see it very much in, let's call it um, the spiritual world for want of a better phrase. And that is blaming ourselves for the situations we find ourselves in. And I want to say that blaming yourself is not helpful for anyone. Yes, absolutely. We need to take responsibility for ourselves, our beliefs, moving ourselves out of our comfort zone, stretching ourselves, you know, clearing those blocks to whether it's money, whether it's independence, whether it's love, whether it's joy, whatever it is. Yes, of course, there are plenty of blocks there that we can clear. But when we're looking at money, it's very, you know, there's a lot of shame around money. Anyway, there's lots of shame around debt, of not having enough, of wanting more. And I see a lot of people, God, you know, I just heard the phrase being preyed upon. And I think that is possibly quite true um, of going, oh, it's your money blocks. Don't, don't, you know, take on this project from a place of lack. And yes, whilst we should come from an abundance mindset as much as possible and well not and but it's not always down to money blocks yes there are plenty to deal with and yes we have to take responsibility for those but i want to remind you 
that we live in a world that that prioritizes money. Yeah, it, we live in a world where we are taught to consume more because we live in a capitalist society. I have nothing against money. I love having money, you know, and I love people having money. I love celebrating people's wealth, people's um, abundance. I think that's a really great thing to have. However, when you don't have money and someone just tells you, oh, it's your, it's your mindset, that is not helpful. If you come from a family situation where you didn't have much or felt that energy of poverty, that's a real thing. And that isn't just down to mindset. That is down to how our society is set up. It is down to what our society values. So bringing this background to the magic, the intuition, the creative energy, our society without doubt, our Western culture, values doing productivity, intellect, stuff that is tangible because then we can consume it. Um, It doesn't value the arts, the intuition as much. And, you know, we see this with like the, the old trope of like the starving artist. And yet when we first went into lockdown, a lot of people were like, oh, I need Netflix. And it's like, where would we be in a world without art? If you look around your house right now, if you look at the things that are on your wall, the the chair that you sit on, the cushions that you have, everything is created. And to think that we don't value creation is absolutely crazy. It's like we would, you know, if somebody was like, oh, my, my parents, and I see this so often, it's like, oh, my parents wanted me to be a doctor, but I really wanted to go down this other route. And it's like, there's this real, you know, credibility about having certain... Uh, jobs rather than having something that maybe is more fulfilling to you. And so our whole society is set up to celebrate having a particular level of income, set up to celebrate that. And, you know, and people will pay great money to for, th- for those kind of services. However, when it comes to a lot of people and their art, their healing abilities, their spiritual gifts, their intuition, their oracle reading gifts. People don't value that as much. And often people feel like they have to undercharge or that they can't charge what they want to be charging for an oracle reading or whatever it may be, because there's this idea that something has to be a particular price and we don't value that. And yet when you have an oracle reading, you're not just getting a reading, you're getting someone to really see and witness you. You're getting someone to hold phenomenal space for you, to coach you through an issue that you have right now, to be someone to listen to. And yet it's still not valued as much in our society. Now, hopefully if you're listening to this, you do value things like that. But by our society, and I often say to people, it's like, what do you value more, your intuition or your intellect? And they're like, oh. And if I say, what do your family value more, your intuition or your intellect? straight away it's like oh actually they value their intellect so it's very hard for them to like value their own intuitive skills their own creative skills which of course does make it harder to sell those skills to be able to price those skills appropriately which is you know kind of the conversation I had but yes part of that will be your own conditioning your own experience your own like view of life but a huge part of that is because we are totally surrounded by a society that values something different. Okay. So 
the long and short of that story with the artist I'm working with, she is going to be charging me for, for the eight sets and not the six because that was important to me. And, you know, I'm in a position where I can happily pay for the eight. So it wasn't as though I was going to have to make a choice be between not paying her. Do you know what I mean? It's like, even if it was, I would rather only have the six and pay for the six rather than have the eight for free because that's what sits with me. So yes, money blocks. If we talk about money blocks, quite often, it's, money is a really interesting thing because when I'm working with people on business, the things that come up are being afraid of money, of having, of the... It's really, it is interesting because people are afraid of having the money and they're afraid of not having the money. They're afraid of outgrowing their, their partners, their family. They're afraid of being seen as too much. When I ask people, it's like, what is it? How was you, what was your feelings around money when you were brought up? What did your parents think about money? And some people had lots of money. Some people had no money. Some people judged the money. And it's like, you know, we carry those beliefs with us those identities, those roles, those labels, they become important to us. And it is about unlearning those roles. It is about unlearning what we believe about money. And you can just do a very simple exercise and just think, you know, on one piece of paper, just write down everything that your parents taught you about money. How did they judge people with money? Were they greedy? Were they lucky? <laughs> you know, did they go, oh yeah, they obviously followed a system and you know, this is how they got that money? Or were they like, oh my God, they're so selfish, aren't they? And it's like, oh, we pick up all of that. When we're young, we're like little sponges. We pick up all of that information. And so a lot of that does have to be unlearned so that we can move forward and create our own money stories. But it doesn't have to stop you from going for that job for you know, deciding you're going to charge more for your artistic skills, for your intuitive wisdom. It doesn't stop you saying, oh my goodness, actually, yes, I am going to, you know, go down that other career path because that's what feels really aligned to me. Um, but we do have to stop blaming ourselves and just saying, oh, it's, it's, you know, I'm not in the position I want right now. Just it's because of my money blocks or it's because I have a scarcity mindset. Because even if, parts of those are true. <laughs> I can say you only have them because of the society we live in. And the more that you can work on those blocks, I suppose, or not even, to, I think to be aware of those blocks and take action with those blocks and to give yourself the support that you know perhaps you have a sabotage pattern. And it's like, what do you need to support you move through that block? And just being aware of those things. And when you feel that it's all becoming too much, just remind yourself of the society that we live in and go, oh, yes, hang on a minute. This is what society expects. This is the expectations from other people. And then you go back to our episodes on cleansing your energy. You cleanse your energy, you reset your energy, and then you move forward again. Yeah. So fear of, fear of not um, being good enough is a very common fear. Um, fear of be of fear of being powerful is one actually, and not knowing what to do with the money. Because something else I often see with people, they're like, "Oh yes, I want to have a really successful business because I want to start a charity." And I'm like, "Can we stop right there? There are lots of charities out there that could do with our support. We don't always need to be starting a new one." But it's almost like they're bargaining with their version of God, and it's like, "God, please send me some clients, or please can I have lots of money because I want to do good with it." 
It's like being that good girl energy again. Instead of saying, do you know what? What I would like is a really nice house and I would like, you know, really nice car and really nice holidays and, you know, red bottom shoes. There's a real shame about around particularly women wanting more. Now that that might not be yours. You might not want lots of money. That's entirely your choice. But sometimes we can also think that we're being virtuous by not wanting money. And again, that's just still another pattern of stress carried within the body. And so when you're thinking about money, asking yourself, you know, why is it that you want money? And it it often comes down to two things. People want to feel safe and people want to feel free. And even if you don't have any change in your circumstances, you can create ways of making yourself feel safe and there's ways you can make yourself free on a daily basis that don't require money. And one of the things I always like to think about is of a home, if you're like, oh my God, yeah, I I want money because I want to feel safe. It's like every day when you go to bed at night, check your doors and check your windows to make sure they're closed, to make sure they're safe. If you have an alarm, put an alarm on because they're reminding you that you are safe. And it's just little things like that that can just re-instill that energy of feeling safe. What can you do to make yourself feel free? Again, it doesn't have to be with money. It could just be stepping outside, breathing the fresh air and going, oh my goodness, yes, look at this. I have the freedom to like walk around my house right now, to step outside, to go somewhere. I have the freedom to choose whether I you know, turn left or turn right or whatever it may be. It doesn't matter if they seem really small and silly. The fact is that you're highlighting that energy of freedom. So if you think about money right now, what is it that you want? What is it going to give you? And then ask yourself, why is that important? And then ask yourself, why is that important? (laughs) And then ask yourself a third time, why is that important? And quite often you'll get to the, the real truth of why you want money. And it's not to say that you don't then work towards the money? Of course you do. But what you do is give yourself a real understanding of actually what's driving you to like want a certain income or, you know, whatever it may be. And so the reason I've started with that part first, rather than diving straight into the magic, is because my belief is that magic creates channels for us to receive. So we have a clear intention. Yes, I would like more money you know, I want to raise my prices, I want to get a better job, I want whatever it is you want to do, you want to monetize your artwork, doesn't matter. And then what we're going to do is like we become aware of those patterns because we need to do the magic and back it up with action. Yeah, so we set our intentions like this is the thing that we really want. We do the magic to create a channel to receive it. So I often think about it as like um, rolling out a red carpet. So we roll out the red carpet. So then we take action as we walk along the red carpet, knowing that we're going to be guided by our intuition, guided by the forces that we maybe can or can't see around us and having those like synchronistic events happen. And so a couple of ways that you can work with that magic is to light a green candle So if you get a a candle, it can be a birthday candle, they burn very fast, or it can be a pillar candle, that all, it means working with that intention much longer. And on the candle, write down the amount of money that you want to receive, maybe with a date as well. And you can just engrave a candle with 
um, I I use the end of my compass, <laughs> my, like my drawing compass for circles. But uh, you can use a toothpick, anything really, and just write down that amount. Think about what direction you're writing. You might want to go from bottom to top because that represents growth. Or you might go from top to bottom because you want to anchor that money in. You'll find lots of ways, the ways that you should write, the direction you should write, but write which feels correct for you. Okay, so feel into that candle. I'm saying green because green is abundance, but perhaps you want to bring more reds and orange fire and passion to your finances. So, and if you don't have any coloured candles, white is always the go-to candle. So if you've got a, a a candle with sides, you can write on that. If it's a tea light, you can just write it around the, the top of it. And so just put, put in there. And the whole time, it's always with intention. It's always bringing your aligned energy to it. So you've written on the candle. You might want to sprinkle some something like mint or bay leaves around the outside of the, the candle or to dress a candle very, you know, very gently. Um, I'm like, have I done a podcast on dressing a candle? If I haven't, I will I will do one on like how to do it. Oh, all very fancy. But it doesn't have to be super fancy. I often think about like when we layer our magic, so we're bringing in the colour, we're bringing in the writing, we can bring in the herbs. It's like decorating a cake. You can have a plain sponge cake or you can put like layers of icing and you can put ribbons around it and cake toppers and all fancy things too. So, but we, but just the plain sponge is fine for right now. So we've got our candle, we've written on it and then light that candle and sit with that candle with your intention. And you're focusing your energy into that candle about getting clear on that that um, financial amount that you're bringing in, how you want to bring it in, what it is you want to increase, whatever it is that you're doing. And just sit and focus that intention as that candle burns down. Obviously, health and safety. You know I do love a bit of health and safety. Don't leave the candle unattended. So if it's a birthday candle, you are you can literally, <laughs> that will go down very, very quickly. You can even blow out, send your wish out into the world. Now, some people in magic don't like to blow out a candle because they feel like it's diffusing the magic. I think our breath is like our most, well, it's our most essential thing of being alive. It's filled with magic. And we are so accustomed to blowing out your candles and making a wish that I see it as just like sending your magic out into the ether, out around Again, do what feels right for you. So you're burning your candle down. You can either sit with it for the whole time until it burns down to nothing. Or if you've got a bigger candle, you might blow it out after a few minutes. And then you can keep working with that candle. Keep relighting it every day or when feels good until it burns all the way down. Again, not leaving the candle unattended. Um, <laughs> and that is sending that out. And once you, when you're working with your candle in that way, when you're meditating with your candle, sat with your candle after you've blown out the candle or when it's burnt out, just notice what inspirations come your way, what coincidences, haha, or synchronicities come your way. Because that might be the way that you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that, or I should reach out to that person, or oh my goodness, look, I've just seen this job advertised. Whatever it is, it's like to start to notice what what comes your way because you've created that channel for you to be able to receive the riches, the money, the wealth that you desire. And of course, I keep talking about uh, monetary amounts right now, but we know that riches and wealth and abundance is so much more than just money. But 
the world we live in does demand that we have a certain amount of money to be able to pay our bills, to be able to like to move through society. And so that's a really fun way of doing it. Another, I guess, quicker way, I suppose, to do this and be very careful with this one. Um, do it outside if you can or do it over something safe and suitable. Yes, health and safety notices again, but only because I did this once and I had a bit of a shock. So what you do is you get a bay leaf, a dried bay leaf, just like you can pick up in the, the supermarket and you can buy them in like jars in the herb section. Obviously, if you have your own in the garden, fantastic. But if you don't, we are practical witches. So go to the supermarket, buy your bay leaf and write on your bay leaf the financial amount of money you want to call in and then light the bay leaf. Now, my experience had often been with bay leaves that I would have to light it three or four times (laughs) and it would take three or four times to fully burn. One day I was doing this spell and I lit it and it just combusted. I was like, wow. And I nearly burnt my fingers. Luckily, as always, being a good witch, I I had my cauldron right underneath it. And I, I was, but I was quite shocked at how quickly it combusted. So hopefully it will go nice and steady. However, notice how it does burn. Do you have to keep going and relighting it? If so, it could possibly be resistance. Yes, of course, the bay leaf might be a bit damp, but there's no, you know, it's not a coincidence that you picked that damp leaf to write on. So if you're having to light and light and light and light, there may be some resistance. If it whooshes super fast, it's like, you are ready. (laughs) It's like, let's do this. So that's something else you can do that's fun. And then something that um, one of the members of the Witch Academy shared, a lady called Alison, I can't remember where she said she, I'm not sure if she'd read it in a book or a friend had shared this with her, but she does this thing on the first of every month. She gets a pinch of cinnamon in her hand and steps outside of her front door and then just blows the cinnamon into the house. Okay, we're talking a pinch. We're not talking like a whole bottle of cinnamon. And just a very small pinch and blows it into the house. And this month, we all tried it. And it was incredible. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm going to try this and see what happens. And people, like within, oh, hours of doing this, people had had tax rebates. They'd had money come back from where they weren't expecting it. I... I didn't receive money, so to speak, but I suddenly found out that I'd had an incredible discount on a service that I had been using and um, that I wasn't aware of. And I was like, oh my goodness, money, money was just coming in. It was so fun to see how all this money was coming in. So mark your calendars for the first of the month and try this. Blow a little piece of cinnamon, like um, ground cinnamon, obviously, and blow it into the house and watch that like it like slightly puff out and know that the people in the Witch Academy would be doing it at the same time. So come into that collective energy to bring in more money. Like I say, it was very unexpected and super fun. So come and share with us in the Witch Academy. Um, if you're going to try <laughs> that, that spell on the first of the month, because, you know, we've got, got a week to go, got a week to get your cinnamon if you don't already have it in your cupboard and give that a go. Because like I say, it was really good fun. And so... Then, whenever we do that magic, always notice how you feel before it, during it, after it. Notice any insights, any intuitions, any messages that you receive through your most dominant sense, because they're all really important clues into supporting you bring in that money you're after or being able to like start your own business or, you know, 
up your rates, whatever it may be. And I just want to reiterate, yes, it is your responsibility to be mindful of any energy blocks, but you're not to blame for having them. Yeah. And you're not to blame if you're working through them and they're not an excuse to shame you. You can have money blocks and still be financially successful. Yeah. You can have no money blocks whatsoever and live in poverty and still not have access to opportunities that other people would have. That doesn't mean it's your fault. It doesn't mean that you haven't said enough affirmations. It's the way society is built and structured. Can we move through that in any of our situations? Yes, sometimes we can. If we have the right support, the right belief, we can move through all of that. But we don't always have to do it alone. And it shouldn't be something of shame. Um, I was listening to a money expert today. I just came across it on TikTok randomly. And he was a money expert. And he was saying that, you know, he has done everything that he can for people right now. He said, but now it's up to the government to intervene because it's beyond all the help that he can give. And yes, that is the reality of our situation. Yes, we can transcend that. And we can very much look at creating our own experience of the world. But we still live in this 3D world. We still have to play by the rules to survive in this world. It's it's great if you can zip off to other dimensions, etc. But you still need to pay your bills. You still need to pay your mortgage. And yes, can we use magic to, to help us and to support us to bring that in? Yes, we can. And then we do that to support other people too. You know, and I, I often think that I always like to buy things off Etsy made by people that have their you know, their own business, their own small business. And I'd rather pay a little bit extra than purchase it off somewhere like Amazon because I can afford that. And I think, you know, when you have money, it does afford you freedom of choice. Like if you have money, you can go to the local farmer's market. You can buy the organic produce. You can support your local community. But if you don't have money, you have to go to the supermarket. You have to buy their own brand labels. You don't know how it's been created and the conditions it's been created in, but you're governed by the actual pounds or dollars, wherever you live. Um, But that doesn't make it your fault. Yeah, it's like, yes, it's your responsibility to do what you can to support yourself, but it's maybe not your fault that you're actually in that position. And so I don't want you to feel shame around money, around debts, around not being where you want to be, about thinking, oh, it's my fault because I must have a, a, you know, a, a scarcity mindset. Yes, mindset is important. Yes, you know, taking responsibility for ourselves is important. Yes, working through the blocks is important, but it's not the only thing. Do I think that everyone can improve their situation? Absolutely. Of course I do. Do I think some people can do it quicker because they have more access to support and resources? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean we get to leave anyone else behind. Okay, so I would love to know your thoughts and opinions on money. I'd love to know if you try any of the money magic. I would love to know if anything I've said has resonated to you or you or you might just think, no, Rebecca, it's definitely all mindset. And that's a valid, that is a valid belief. And I know a lot of people do believe that. 
But I also see it being used as a vehicle of shaming people. And it's the shaming of people and the shaming of yourself that I want to stop. (laughs) It's like that has to stop as far as I'm concerned, because as soon as we feel shame, it stops us moving forward. It stops us taking chances. It stops us believing in ourselves. It makes us play small. And it's just a nasty, insidious energy. It's like society already wants you to feel shame. It wants you to feel shame about your body size, about your career, about your holiday choices, about the car that you drive, about the house that you live in, um, about the hobbies that you do, because then it can sell you more stuff. Yeah. And I, like I say, I have absolutely nothing against stuff. Have nice stuff. Have that fabulous house. Have that fabulous car. Have those gorgeous shoes. If that's what truly lights you up. You know, as someone said to me once that they're doing very, very well in their business. And they said, oh, Rebecca, I feel shame because she was doing like a lot of um, deep societal work. And she's like, but I really want a pair of red bottom shoes. She's like, can I have them? And I was like, yes, yes, you can. (laughs) If that's what you want, if that's what's going to light you up. And I often find that when people first make money, they love to go and splurge and all the things that they thought would just make them amazing, feel so good. And then when they've got them, they love it for maybe a few months, a year. And then they're like, oh, it's just stuff, isn't it? And it's like they come back to the idea of connection and contribution being more important. Now, that's not that's a lot of people that I've worked with. That is not true for everybody. But I also know um, somebody I knew quite a while ago, actually. She wasn't very happy with her life and she'd spent a long time saving up for this car that was like her dream car. And she wanted this car with every fibre of her being. And it was like, when I've got the car, I'm going to be happy. When I've got the car, you know, my life is going to change. When I've got the car. And this was like her focus for, for years. And she saved up to get the car. And then she brought the car, drove the car. And the next time I saw her, I was like, how's the car? And she's like, it's just a car. And it was her dream car. But she realised that as soon as she got the car, everything else in her life was still the same. And it was even more, um, I was going to use the word depressing for her, but not in like a clinical depressed sense. Um, Because she put so much hope on receiving this car, on getting this car, that when she actually had it and expected everything in her life to change, suddenly she had the car and it was like a huge disappointment because she was still the same person. You know, nothing else changed. And it was so heartbreaking to see someone that really believed this thing was going to change her life and it never actually did. Um, And again, for some people, maybe the car would be the icing on the cake or it would change their life. But for her, she was so like fixated on this car and so focused forward into into the future. When, 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 instead of living like for now, and enjoying the moment now or dealing with the issues that needed to be resolved now. The car just like highlighted how uncomfortable her life actually was because her life was still the same afterwards. So perhaps you do things like that in your life. Oh, when when you get to a dress size, when the kids leave home, when, 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 when. It's like, do you put any caps on your ability to start something new, to raise your prices? Oh, I'll raise my prices when I've got that next qualification rather than charging for experience. And it was interesting, actually, because this this incredible artist I was talking to this morning, she I said to her, she said, oh, but it doesn't take me very long. 
And I'm like, yeah, but we're not paying for your time. We're paying for your experience. We're paying for the outcome. And this is true of everything. It's like, you're not paying for that hour amount. I'm paying her because she can create something that I can't. You know, I can spend 50 hours trying to create it and it still wouldn't be as as, as beautiful as she could create it. And so I told her this, I'm not sure whether fables or parables, I really should look up the difference. And it was this, you know, this beautiful yacht had broken down on some gorgeous island. And um, the person's like, oh my goodness, I need it to be fixed because I've got to get on my way of meeting friends or, you know, whatever the story was. And they're like, oh, you're in luck. There's um, our local mechanic is on the island. And this little old guy came up with his toolbox. And he said to the guy, obviously, I'm just like changing the story from how I first heard it. But the the moral is still the same. And the the, the person on the yacht said, how much to fix the, how much to fix the boat? And he said, five thousand dollars. And he was like, oh, okay, then, yeah, I need to get going straight away and uh, meeting people, et cetera, et cetera. And so the guy got his toolbox out, walked around the boat, got his hammer and went clink on one pipe. And the boat kicked back into action. And it just started again. And the guy said, oh, how much do I owe you then? And the guy said, 5,000 pounds That's or dollars. That's what we agreed on. He was like, 5,000 pounds? All you did was hit the, hit the boat. You just made one clink of your hammer. And he's like, Yes, but you're paying for the like the 50 years of experience. So I knew where to go and hit the boat to get your boat working. Yeah. And so we still have this judgment around, oh, I should only have to pay you like 20 quid because it took you one minute to fix. And it's like, well, no, actually, you're paying for all of that experience because he could have found a lesser experienced mechanic that could have taken like four or five days that could have impacted his holiday or meeting people or business and he would have lost more than the five thousand pounds and so when you're thinking about your own skills your own value don't think in terms of hours think in terms of experience and transformation and we have we have the industrial revolution (laughs) to thank for us working in in hours because in the olden days, when people worked the land, lived in communities working the fields, like to to harvest and look after their families, they didn't really have, oh, it's seven o'clock, I must get up. They would get up with the sun. They would go to bed with the sun. They would, you know, they wouldn't really have like holidays as such, but they would be like, oh, there's a, I don't know, there's a wedding there's a christening, there's a you know festival going on and they would just turn up because that's just what they did. As soon as the Industrial Revolution came along and people went into the cities, people would, you know, they would work hard and then they'd go out drinking and whatever and they would come, they'd come into work like tired and run down. And suddenly the factory owners were like, hang on a minute, I'm paying you and you're not in your best condition. And suddenly we started trading time for hours. And it's like, how productive can you be in this hour? How productive, you know, how much can I get from you? (laughs) In, you know, I'm the factory owner, you're the person working there. It's like, how much can I get from my time? It's like, your time is now mine. I'm paying for your time. And then it became about ownership. And then it became about how much you can produce was how valuable you were. The more you could produce, the more valuable you were. And we've carried that on throughout life, that we feel our value has to come through the time we put in to work hard, to really labour at something. And it's like, if something takes us a long time, 
to us it has more value. And of course, sometimes there's truth in that. But sometimes you can actually get paid more for for less because you have that experience and expertise. So I'm sharing that for you to think about how you value things in your life, how you value your time. Do you value your experience? Because you might say to someone, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing. But to that person, it's not nothing. To that person, it could be everything. You know, just because that artist was like, oh, don't worry, everything will be set up. I can do eight as quickly as I can do six. Doesn't matter. (laughs) I want to pay for eight because I want eight things. It's still taking your time and energy. Just because something is easy to you doesn't mean it doesn't take your time and energy. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking about you, but perhaps you see this in people around you as well. Perhaps you're like, oh, yeah, I felt a bit resentful about paying someone for something they did very quickly. But could you have done it that quickly? What did, you know, by that person doing it for you, what kind of time, energy and resources did it save? How did you benefit from that? So hopefully I've given you something to think about today in terms of money, mindset, staying away from blame and shame, but still taking appropriate responsibility. Still, you know, we will forever be doing the work, so to speak, of un- unlearning all of these things that we have been born into deeper and deeper layers as we spiral deeper and deeper and go, oh my God, I never even realised that. Yeah. And also there's like three little magical spells that you can work, some magic that you can weave in to your magical mindset into supporting you move forward because when we bring our intentions together when we bring our intention to something that matters to us and you know money is important whether we like it or not how much money is entirely your choice and your choosing of lifestyle and you know circumstances that that you find yourself in but if you wanted more or even if you wanted a healthier relationship because this is something else i actually find um Sorry, going off on tangents all over the place. I'm like, oh yeah, and this too. Is that quite often people can earn a certain amount of money, but then they can't hold it. So they'll earn a significant amount of money and then something will happen with their car and they'll need a new car. And then they'll earn more money and then something happens to the roof and then they need a new roof. And so it's like they can't hold that energy of money. And Oh, I was about to go on another conversation about the energetics of money, but perhaps we'll save that. (laughs) We'll save that for another time. But in the meantime, as a start of the conversation around money, how how does this sit with you? Does any of it resonate? I'd love to hear your thoughts. So do come over into our community and let me know your thoughts and I will speak to you again very soon. Bye.